Hello and welcome to PW KidsCast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with author Maureen Gu. Her first book for teens, Since You Asked, was published in 2013, and this spring she returns with a second YA novel, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. It's being published in May by Margaret Ferguson Books, an imprint of Ferrar, Strauss, and Giroux, which is sponsoring this podcast. In I Believe in a Thing Called Love, readers meet 17-year-old Desi Lee, who is successful in just about every area of her life except one. She is about as romantically incompetent as it gets. When a new student, Luca, shows up at school, Desi is determined to get it right this time, even after she has a horrifically embarrassing wardrobe malfunction the first time they get to talk. Her solution? Follow the romantic formulas that drive the Korean TV dramas her father watches obsessively. And what could go wrong when you're following steps that include life-threatening events makes him realize how real your love is? Thanks for speaking with me, Maureen. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. So, you know, at one point in this novel, uh, Desi describes uh, these K-dramas as sort of like the white noise of my life. Uh, was that also something that was the case for you? It was. Um, and now it's the white noise of my husband's life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I grew up... Um, you know, that was the TV that my parents liked to watch. They would watch it on the Korean channel, but most of the time we'd have to go to like a video, local neighborhood video store. And for all the children out there, a video, <laughs> it was, <Right>? uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's like streaming, but in a little plastic block. And you have to rewind it when you're done. Yes, you did. So, you know, they watched those since I was, I don't even, you know, since I was born probably up until... Now they're still watching them. So, yeah, it was always on in the background. And, you know, as a kid, it was in Korean. It just was always there. I, I think it would be the equivalent to, like, maybe American kids, parents watching the news or something. Something you found not that interesting. I mean, you didn't really quite pay attention to it. It was only until I got older that I actually started watching them. And the K-dramas that are specifically mentioned in the book, I got the sense that they're a mix of real ones and ones you invented. Is that right? Or are they all real? No, they're actually all real. Um, I, I did in an earlier draft mix, uh, fake ones with real ones to kind of suit, um, what I needed at the moment. But, uh, my editor and I, um, who was Margaret Ferguson, we decided that we should probably either make them all real or all fake. And I thought it would be kind of a fun, um, I guess you wouldn't call it really surprise because they're really easy to find, but it'd be fun for K-drama readers to actually recognize the dramas I was talking about. And what are some of your favorites after you did start diving into them kind of for real? Yeah. I guess. Oh my gosh. I had so many, um, but I, I really love <laughs> Healer was probably the number one um, drama and everybody kind of has to watch, even though it's like so absurd and over the top, Boys Over Flowers, My Love from Another Star... Gosh, out of context, these titles are hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I really like there's a series where um, they're kind of these nostalgia, uh, flat, like uh, historical dramas. Um, so I really like Reply to Me or Answer Me, I think is what they call it. Um, Answer Me 1997. And they also have Answer Me 1988. Anyways, there's so many. I got the sense from your notes that uh, at the end of the book that there's also a real kind of, I mean, even though it is perhaps 
a genre unto itself. There's a lot of different types and categories of these dramas, maybe compared to an American soap, for instance, where there's maybe a couple outliers that get a little extra weird, but mostly they're sort of all operating the same vein. Is that true? There's a real kind of range? Yes. Yeah, very true. What they share with soap operas is kind of, I would say like the skeleton, I don't even know what to call it. The base of all K-dramas is kind of soapy, which means there's high drama. It's very like all about like interpersonal relationships that kind of create the drama along with the plot. And they also have outrageous plot lines um, as well, kind of like soap operas. But yeah, now they've taken on so many different genres. So I think in Korea, um, K-dramas are just TV. Um, it's just so prevalent. It's just like a big chunk of what people watch there. So, um, yeah, there's fantasy, there's, um, straight romance, there's comedy, there's stuff like workplace drama versus like a thriller. So there's all sorts of different things, um, happening with K dramas now, and it's really fun. So what was the moment then where you sort of realized that these dramas could really serve as like an underpinning for uh, a romantic comedy like this book? Well, I have always wanted to write my own K-drama. My friends and I, when we were teenagers and we were all kind of getting into it, my Korean-American friends and I, um, we thought it'd be really fun because we kind of recognized the tropes that were in all these dramas, even though, you know, we made fun of the tropes because they're so unabashedly there, but we also loved watching them. They're very, you know, easy to get hooked on. Um, and so we thought it'd be so fun if we did our own. Um, I had friends who were very hammy and they would have loved to be on camera and we always want to do one, but it was just a little too ambitious for us. And I always wanted to write it. So when I was thinking of ideas for my second book, I knew I want to try doing a rom-com, but I, you know, it reminded me of, I feel like K-dramas are kind of the best they're really good at doing romance and especially rom-coms. Like they're just um, really to me so much more, they've just got that, that formula is really helpful. They've got it down and it's like an art form over there. So I thought somehow I want to incorporate K-dramas. Maybe I'll just write my own version. But then, you know, that felt like, I don't know how that would translate in a YA. It might seem so absurd. So I thought, you know, I have to kind of acknowledge the K-drama. And this book was started many years ago. And when I started it, K-dramas were known in the U.S., but not that huge. Now they have a pretty big following here and in other countries. So I was a little hesitant, but I just kind of, you know, thought it'd be really funny to introduce um, YA readers to K-dramas if they don't know about it, because I feel like there's a huge overlap between the two, um, I don't know, fandoms. And uh, so I kind of try to find that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the steps that Desi follows, you know, as she's kind of in pursuit of Luca, you know, are, are hilarious. And of course, they form the structure of the book with the chapter titles and everything. And I, are, are those directly sprung from the sort of tropes that you both sort of uh, made fun of and appreciated, uh, you know, with your friends when you were younger? Yeah. So, you know, all of them exist in K-dramas. I, I know it seems like maybe I created some of the tropes to fit where I needed the plot to go. I did kind of. So I started off by actually writing this list down. I thought of all the tropes from beginning to end of a lot of K-dramas. Not all, but a lot. And then I try to kind of shape the, the plot around that. And it was just a little too difficult. So I had to go back and change the list to fit the plot. But all of them are definitely found in K-dramas. So I can find you an example of almost all of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and certainly Desi as a character, she is someone who who likes to have a plan that she can follow. And it's interesting because you, you're talking about formulas and tropes. And I mean, do you feel like when it comes to K-dramas or, you know, even more broadly, just romantic comedies, you know, in both cases, these formulas are so much a part of the package. Do you feel like as an audience member, and I, I don't know your you know, your history with romantic comedies in general, but do you feel like those formulas and how they're used kind of is part of the, what makes those stories, I guess, all the more enjoyable or delicious as a, as a viewer, or as a reader? You know, I, I think, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I think it's a factor. There's something comforting and cozy about them. When I want to watch like a rom-com or a K-drama, I'm seeking something very specific. Like I know exactly what I'm going to get into. I want to just wear my pajamas. And kind of like curl up and, you know, watch it for a while, not just like, and not really, I mean, this is going to sound bad. I'm not trying to denigrate the genre, but like also I don't want to think that hard. You know, I don't want to be bothered or disturbed by what I'm watching. So, you know, I think that the formulas help with creating that cozy, familiar feeling. Um, I do think you have to do it well though. Um, obviously like with anything else, things can be done poorly and then the tropes and the formulas feel grating and, um, you know, not, or you notice them too much. I think of the really good ones, you don't notice the tropes or, and if you do, you don't mind because it's just so endearing or well done or well crafted. So yeah, I would say the formulas are part of the enjoyment, but at the same time, you don't want it to be too much of a standout, if that makes sense. Sure. And, you know, as we said, you know, this is your, your second book. Can you talk about what your path was to becoming a writer? Sure. Um, it was kind of a meandering long path. <laughs> um, you know, everybody talks about how they like to read and write when they're a kid. Um, I definitely loved reading from a very early age. Um, anybody that knew me from childhood, I was constantly reading. Huge reader. Um, but, I don't think I really thought I, w- I considered myself a writer until later. Um, I always knew I was pretty good at writing, I guess, um, in high school and that sort of thing. I was always encouraged by my English teachers with my writing. And then in high school, I think I, I started thinking of this one story about a girl and her two friends. And I would draw these. I also like to draw when I was younger and I would draw these like little, I don't even know what to call it, like, um, just scenes from their lives. And then I would think of stories for them, but I never wrote it down. And then in college, you know, I was studying communication to be a journalist. And I also was taking all these English literature classes because I realized, oh, I really love reading and talking about books and writing about them. So I want to continue that. And I ended up enjoying my English literature classes so much more than my communication major. In my free time, I would write this is going to sound so funny. I would write basically what I, I call, and I got this from my friend, Robin Benway, who is also a YA author. And she helped me recognize this about myself, but we wrote fan fiction of our own lives. So it was like fiction, but we were the main character. So I would write this like hilarious, <laughs> it's really kind of embarrassing, but I would write this like, like life that I was living in Paris. I owned like a flower shop, um, you know, and I had this romance and these fun, accomplished friends. And it was just very glamorous and cute. And I didn't even recognize it back then, but I was writing fiction. I guess I never thought I could write fiction. It just never occurred to me. I always felt like, oh, I'm writing essays. I'm writing newspaper columns. I'm writing 
blog posts and all this thing. But like, I just never, um, sat there and thought I am writing a novel or I am writing a story even as I was doing it essentially. So, uh, then I, uh, graduated and had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> I worked at a bookstore. I wrote, you know, I wrote a lot of, um, like I said, I, I blogged a lot and I wrote some journalistic pieces, but it was very much not like a career type of activity. And I decided to go to graduate school because I had a friend who said to me like, Hey, you really love books. Do you want to work in book publishing? Like you can be an editor. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, it just makes me sound really kind of narrow because I didn't know I could do all these things till so late, you know, but I, until someone planted that seed in my head, I didn't know I could work in book publishing. So I went to Emerson college in Boston, which was a master's program for, they called it writing literature and publishing, I think. Um, and, uh, at the same time I had, I applied to the new school's, um, children's writing program. And I don't know what compelled me to do that, except that I knew I loved children's literature and it was kind of like on a lark, but I knew like, you know, I'm not really going to go there because I'm not going to pay a lot of money to sit and write fiction. Like I could never do that to my parents. I had part of that. It was like, I need to like get a job after going to grad school. So I got into that program, but I actually ultimately chose like the more practical path. But my sample for that program, my writing sample was basically the first chapter to Since You Asked, except I didn't know it was Since You Asked, obviously. I just uh knew, I think I want to write this fun teen voice. And it was very much inspired by reading The Princess Diaries at the time. Um, so this is a long time ago. This is like, not to age myself, but this is like 2005 that I applied to these programs. And so Since You Asked kept haunting me. Um, I loved writing it so much for that sample that I kept working on it while I was in grad school. And eventually I finished the very rough first draft for like an independent study I did at Emerson. And a friend of mine who's a published graphic novelist, uh, read it and she loved it. And she said, can I send this to my agent? And I said, okay, why? I don't know, but okay, sure. Go ahead. And it kind of just, it was a slow process, but I worked with my agent and a developmental editor to get a good first draft made. And I, you know, kind of took my time. My agent was in no rush. I was in no rush. I was working. And so when I sold it, it was very shocking because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is this, oh, we're taking this seriously. Oh, okay. Um, and it's been, you know, even with my second book, it took four years for me to get a second book published. Um, I've kind of taken my time because I wanted to write stories that I enjoy and it, it just, it wasn't for me, it didn't feel like a career. It didn't hit me yet. Something that I really want to pursue as a career until I sold my second book, to be honest. And then I realized, oh, okay, I love this and I want to, um, this is what I want to keep doing. So I've been a little more focused since then. <laughs> mm -hmm. And do you think you'll stay in YA? Are you interested in other audiences at this point? I want to stay in YA for sure, but I, I do actually want to simultaneously try other types of books. Like I want to try picture books. Uh, my husband's an illustrator. He illustrated Sparky and um, Greyhound the Groundhog. So I'm thinking of collaborating with him. I am also very much interested in middle grade. I think that middle grade is very rich grounds for humor and adventure. And I want to keep humor in my writing. And, uh, but I do have a ton of YA ideas. I also live in LA. So there's always the siren call of writing 
you know, um, screenplays. K dramas or otherwise. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to abandon the dream yet. You know, it's always it's always there. No, I can still do it. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested in all sorts of writing. Um, what I like to tell people about my writing journey is that I feel like a, I've been a late bloomer and it's been very interesting to watch, uh, other people's careers, like, you know, because they have to query and they have to go through this whole process. They have to really have this passion in the very beginning. And I feel like my passion kind of grew slowly over time because of it. I have all these ideas like bubbling in me that I think people have earlier in their careers and, I feel kind of lucky because I'm still excited and I have, you know, a lot of, just a lot of fun ideas that I want to get out there. And, uh, you know, getting back to this book briefly, but, um, you know, Desi's pursuit of Luca is obviously kind of one of the main, the main driver here, but you also mm-hmm. devote a lot of attention to her relationships with her friends and especially with her, uh, widowed father with the latter in particular, was it important to you to really sort of build out that relationship with her father? Yes. Um, I, you know, obviously the romance is the main, um, plot of the book and I love it. And it took me a long time. Like romance is not actually very natural for me to write, uh, friendships and family, uh, relationships are a lot more natural and easy, but so the romance is definitely the main plot, the A plot, but I, as I started writing this and I started to try to figure Desi out. Cause you know, I realized I don't really understand Desi. I was not a, a, a perfectionist like her in high school. I, I didn't excel at everything, but I realized I had to, I had to kind of get to her kind of major issue, right? Which is not just that she's a perfectionist, but that she has this belief that she can control like keeping sadness and tragedy out of life by having all these plans. And that, um, all these plans will kind of buffer you from bad things happening because of her mom dying and because she never wanted to see her dad sad again. So once I figured that out, I was like, it was just this moment of like, yes, oh my God, I know this whole book. I know this character. And so then it was very important for me to make sure that the dad relationship was also a big part of the book because it's a big part of her. And it was also very much encouraged through my editor and my readers who all you know, they immediately latched onto that relationship. People like often like that relationship um, a lot. So it was important for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the book's not out just yet, but um, can you talk about what do you have uh, planned as far as uh, the months ahead and the launch of the book? Yeah. Um, it's coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I am doing, I'm going to a couple of uh, festivals. I'm going to the LA times festival of books. Um, I will be, at the, at Y'all West as well, both of which are in LA. Um, I'm trying to plan a few bookstore events up in, um, the Bay Area and possibly in San Diego, Orange County. So I'm, I'm going to be doing events in California mostly, but I will also be going to ALA in June. And I am also planning a few giveaways and, um, that sort of thing with some fun promo, um, items that I've made. So, oh, and I also have my launch party happening in LA as well on June 7th. So I'm excited, keeping myself busy. <laughs> Very good. And, you know, I know you, you said you've got a lot of ideas bubbling up, but is there anything you can specifically talk about, about what you think it might be next for you book-wise? Hmm, I wonder if I can talk about this. Well, I am writing another YA, and I don't quite know when it's coming out. I think 2018, but don't hold me to that. And it is another Korean American, uh, 
protagonist, but she, it's a, and actually there is another dad, father daughter relationship that's important in this book too. Um, it's a little different though. <laughs> and it involves a food truck and it's a book that takes place over the summer. And it also has really strong friendship, um, factor in the book. So I think I can tell you about those few pieces. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, um, congratulations again on this book and, uh, thank you again for speaking with me. Oh no, thank you for having me. It's really great. Once again, I've been speaking with Maureen Gu, whose new book, I Believe in a Thing Called Love, is out in May from FSG. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. 